Hello, everyone, and welcome back to S Club, Citywide Wealth Managers podcast series in which we take a deep dive into the world of social impact investing. I'm Ross Miller, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Delith Richards, head of the Client Solutions Group at Climeworth Ambrose. Today, we're going to be discussing Climeworth Ambrose's responsible portfolio, as well as the distinction between social impact investing and social as a constituent part of ESG considerations, which we all know and love very well by now. Delith, thank you very much for joining me today. Could you kick us off by just giving us a summary of your role and responsibilities at Climeworth Ambrose, please? Yeah, delighted to. So as head of the Client Solutions Group, um, I'm responsible for um, working with the teams that deliver the investment management solutions for our clients. That's discretionary advisory and execution only, but also for the credit teams, our wealth planning teams, uh, as well as marketing and communications for the group. So the aim is to bring all of these pillars together to support the bankers in providing all the solutions a client should need. Perfect. And when it comes to the Kleinwort Hambro's responsible portfolio, what is your role in that area? Ah, so I am chair of the Responsible Investment Committee, which is something we set up in um, 2019. I'm also a member of the, the bank's responsible uh, committee, which is responsibilities bigger than investments, of course. And I lead our culture and conduct partners group as one of the strands of responsibility. Um, but we look at responsibility in many, many ways from our staff, our diversity metrics, our volunteering hours, even planting trees. Excellent. And when it comes to the investing side, the responsible portfolio that you have, where does it fall within this space of ESG, ethical, sustainable impact investing, which, as we know, is all very labyrinthine in nature? So where does where does the portfolio fall within that space? It's a really, really um, good point because we, we're stuck with all of this jargon and all of these acronyms. So um, we have a, a, a special investment approach called VAMOS, Valuation and Momentum and Sentiment. But our, our responsibility framework is something we put under the umbrella of responsibility and we blend together those factors. We've got elements of impact and ESG and sustainability as part of that overall umbrella. So it's, um, it's a combination, an aggregation, if I can call it. Okay, and all of these different, you know, subcategories of sustainable investing and in this area, things like ethical investing, impact investing, negative screens, while they have a lot of similarities, of course, they they are all different things. So how does how do you harmonize that all into one portfolio? How, do, how does the portfolio do it all? Yeah, so historically, we did offer ethical strategies. We've got many multi-generational families that we've run bespokes for, but one person's ethical screening is not another person's ethical screening. And trying to have a kind of standardised ethical model, we, we started to, to, to struggle with, with those different requirements. So we combine um, a number of different strands. We do some negative screening. So it depends on the type of implementation. We have some clients with direct stock and bond portfolios only, and we have other, other clients that we blend third-party funds, ETFs, and maybe some stocks or bonds. So it's a combination of negative screening and what I would call purposeful investment or impact investment. Okay, and just to go a little bit deeper into the world of impact investing, which is what we, we like to focus on at S Club, how would you describe the distinction, the difference between social impact investing and social as a constituent part of ESG considerations? Is ESG just about risk management? Is it about intentionality? What would you say the difference between those two things is? So 
we, we, we see the big difference between impact and ESG investing is, is around intentionality rather than it being an unintended outcome. So to be impact investing, companies have to have the intention of making a positive contribution to one of the SDGs, SDGs um, <laughs> which is measurable material. It, it shouldn't be an unintended outcome. Um, they have a purpose to drive change and uh, things like corporate social policy around the culture of businesses, which should be to drive positive change rather than just looking at financial returns. Excellent. And you mentioned third-party funds there, which is what I want to talk about now, because a lot of these impact funds, a lot of these funds which claim to create positive impact on the social side of things, they hold a lot of publicly listed companies in their underlying holdings. And one thing that I've been considering a lot recently is, is it really possible to have impact in public markets? And by that, I mean, whenever you buy shares in a publicly listed company, you are just providing capital to the previous holder of the shares is my perspective on it. So are you really creating any impact? Is there any additionality there? As in, is there a positive impact that wouldn't have happened had that capital not been allocated in that way? And if the answer is yes, you can have impact in public markets, how? There are several answers to that, just to be, uh, not to being invasive, but um, in the purest sense, you can say no, because capital invested isn't directly invested in impact projects. But there's absolutely a very clear movement driven by investors, and it's a growing movement driven by investors with stewardship codes that is actually forcing some change within those companies. So I think that there are a number, number of points there. If you invest at an IPO or through an unlisted investment structure, you can maybe have that little bit more definition of how you can um, point to the impact that that's being made. But we see it also, and we'll come. I'm sure we will talk a bit more about in the fixed income space, with more and more bond issuance having criteria set to it. So I think both a combination of how we can vote to try to make change. And you look at the recent um, AstraZeneca vote this week, that showed you think, 40% of the shareholders there voted against the, um, the CEO's salary compensation review. So there's a combination of being able to drive change being by being an active shareholder. And we're seeing far more companies take active voting positions than we ever used to, as well as the investment at the, the, the initial time of, of bonds being issued and those criteria being set against the bond terms and conditions. Excellent. So next thing I want to talk about then, just following on from that, is engagement, as you, you did touch on it there. So is engagement and stewardship just for shareholders? Can it play a role in fixed income too? Oh, for sure. It can definitely play a role within fixed income. Um, and as part of the SG group, uh, I can, can talk a little bit more about that by saying you know, SG is one of the leading issuers in green bonds and convertible green bonds. So those, in the way that they're structured, can create very clear criteria for the companies by which the measurements of what they need to achieve and comply with can be set. So um, bondholders have just as much power as shareholders and perhaps more. I mean, historically, you would have thought that bondholders were much more passive um, investors and they needed to see a particular event to trigger an action like defaults. But we're seeing a massive change in that sector. Okay, and it's something we have already touched on a little bit, but how would you say social impact investing varies across all asset classes and how can you create impact across the different asset classes? 
Yeah, interesting question. Um, perhaps more impact is, can be, is, is possible via a bond because you can tie bonds to particular projects, whereas actually buying into the equity of a company will be across multiple um, projects, if I can say that. But a bond, you can, bond issuance can be very, very project specific. And around that project, um, you can create special KPIs or penalties so you can actually see the real direct impact on the investment at a project le level, um, which may be slightly different between debt and equity. A, a lot of attention is being focused on this, and there's a lot of thoughts about how to channel capital. Ultimately, though, there's a, con a conundrum about how we can measure returns, and it is difficult, um, particularly when you consider the impact against financial returns. Um, Equity-based investments um, in fund structures can be diffuse and harder to measure, um, but you are effectively then outsourcing that analysis to uh, a fund specialist and you set a series of criteria by which they can assess that impact. It's really about the, tran the, the transparency of how much you can see at the project level. Okay, and when it comes to third-party funds, as you said, um, in, your, in your due diligence process, what is it that you're looking for in terms of how they assess impact? We look to see how they measure the impact of all of the companies they invest in against SDG goals. Um, and we, we, we look and expect quite a lot of transparency from our fund providers to explain their own process and their own monitoring of how the companies they invest in report back. Excellent. Thank you, Delith. And with that, today's episode of S Club comes to an end. So thank you so much for joining me today, Delith. It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope we can talk some more. And thank you to those who have tuned in today and I'll see you next time.